With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to the Mini Break, your daily podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Tuesday, May 12th. Before we get to another edition of Technique Tuesday with our friends from My Tennis HQ, as well as read through all of the news from Monday in the professional tennis world, I want to remind all of you that these podcasts are made possible day in, day out by our friends at Midwest Sports. And for more than 20 years, Midwest Sports has served as one of the world's premier tennis equipment suppliers. And I want to let you guys know, I'm 24 years old, Midwest Sports over 20 years old. It's been my supplier my whole life, and I can say firsthand, that they offer a comprehensive selection of fast shipping tennis supplies that few retailers can match. They also have one of the largest in-stock inventories of tennis equipment online with tens of thousands of products available for shipping from their automated warehouse directly to your home. And I've said this before on the pod, but a 40,000 square foot warehouse of tennis equipment is tennis nirvana. That's paradise. If I die and I go there and you know that's the heaven I turn to, I will have fun just demoing racks for the rest of eternity. I have no problem doing just that. And that's the sort of stuff Midwest Sports offers you. Now, they value innovation and have personally tailored their products to highlight your skills on the court. And, you know, the best part is their well-trained staff are intimately familiar with all of their equipment and can talk you through finding that perfect racket, that perfect tennis shoe, or the perfect tennis clothing that is sure to put you ahead of the competition. Their selections of tennis equipment are consistently first to market, and they probably themselves in stocking their tennis warehouse with the newest products at the lowest prices. You want to know how you can get involved. Well, it's an online store. You can go to MidwestSports.com. They're hip with the times. They know that's where people are doing their tennis shopping nowadays. You don't have time to go to the store. You know what you want. Or even if you don't know what you want, you want to be able to call someone from the comfort of your home. You can do all of that by going to MidwestSports.com. You're going to find the gear you want. You're going to order yourself some stuff. And you're going to be like, man, I wish I had a discount. Now, you're not going to need a discount because these are already the best prices you're going to find on the market, but I have some news for you. You get to use our promo code CR15. You'll get 15% all off all of your orders, free two-day shipping on all orders exceeding $75, and you also get a free can of tennis balls on top of it all, so you'll be ready to play. You'll have all of the equipment you need. You know, more than anything else, you have a racket, you have a can of tennis balls you are good to go in tennis that's what makes it so enjoyable so go to midwestsports.com use that promo code cr15 get 15 percent off all of your order let them know we sent you there and of course we are so appreciative all of all of their support the least we can ask you all to do is go support them as well i also want to give a shout out to our friends at DraftKings because right now in conjunction with their updated site-wide offer DraftKings is offering a free to bet day on May 14th. Here's what that means. They will be offering a free $5, 14 cent. Hey, May 14th, 514th, as we say on our other podcast. Great shot to you, DraftKings. A $5, 14 free bet for all users, both new and existing, that visit DK Sportsbook in active sportsbook states. Here's what you have to do. 
Go to learn more. Go to DraftKings.com or go to DKNG.co slash Cracking Rackets to learn more details. Let them know we sent you as well. We would appreciate it. But just so all of you are looking, if you're looking for more, you know, quarantine activities, certainly you're enjoying all the YouTube content. Super producer Daniel Westoff is putting on our YouTube channel. But if you're looking for just a little bit of an edge, go to DraftKings.com. Have yourself some fun because there are some sporting events returning around the world and you don't want to miss out on any of the action. All right. With that being said, it's a long interview with Carew on Technique Tuesday. So let's get to the news. And it's a briefer news segment. There's not much to follow up on. Of course, we are all following the ongoing merger discussions between the ATP and WTA. And I had a fantastic conversation on the Great Shot podcast with Mark Miles, the former ATP CEO, about all of those details, about the nuances of the organizational structure of professional tennis. So go check that podcast out for more. But You know, we've also been talking about the Player Relief Fund, the ATP, WTA, ITF, and all of their partners announcing what that fund's going to look like last week. Again, just a rough outline because we've talked about it before. Just reinforcing those details. You mini-break listeners are going to be so well-equipped to have any player relief discussion you could enter. And, you know, that's really the purpose of this podcast. You're going to have these stats memorized. They're burned into my mind at this point, so they're going to be burned into yours as well. The goal, about 800 players, about $6 million, about 10 thousand dollars per player to help keep players afloat during this COVID-19 crisis. Now, of course, you know, $10,000 is more than nothing, and there have been criticisms. There's, of course, talked about the positives of this player relief. Getting these players anything at this point is so valuable and so appreciated. At the same time, could these tournaments be doing more? That's a question that we'll continue to see up in the air, but we have seen a bunch of organizations across the globe, you know, various federations, I should say, nationwide tennis bodies step up and do their part for their players, and Tennis Canada joining that illustrious group today as they announced a grant from one of their title sponsors, National Bank, who's been a major partner of theirs for several years. They are going to extend a program, a grant program, to provide assistance to professional tennis players, wheelchair players, and junior players in transitions toward the pros who are particularly affected by the extended pause in the tennis season due to the COVID-19 pandemic. The details, this program will benefit 23 Canadian athletes who have been without income since the beginning of March and who will continue to be at until at least August and potentially for the rest of the calendar to be eligible for the program. Players must be ranked between 100 and 750 in the world in singles or ranked between 25 and 100 in doubles in the ATP and WTA rankings, top 100 in the juniors, top 50 in the ITF wheelchair rankings. Uh, look, and you know, this release you can find on TennisCanada.com. The title National Bank commits to helping 23 Canadian tennis players Perhaps you're wondering who those players are. I can read you some of those details now. And by the way, you can find this on the Tennis Canada Twitter account. I retweeted the link. And of course, Mike McIntyre, Ben Lewis, our friends at the Tennis Canada podcast, uh, have been all over this uh, story. And so they, you know, be sure to go check them out as well. But it's players that some of you will recognize, players we've had on this podcast, players like Alexis Galarno. You haven't heard that episode, but that's a sneak peek for you guys. Sorry, that was a little slip up 
up by me, uh, Ben Seguin, who we have had publicly on this pod. I know Braden Schnur has been extended stuff. Players like Peter Polanski, Phil Palewo, Carol Zhao, uh, of course, Layla Fernandez, who had taken the tour by storm before things stopped this year, Kelsey Stevenson, so many more. Again, you can find those lists. You can find testimonials from those players on how much they appreciate this sort of gesture from Tennis Canada, who, of course, we announced a couple of weeks ago, have had to lay off staff and are devastated by the prospect of no Rogers Cup. There's still the idea of playing the event in Toronto, but very unlikely that's going to go in the financial implications for Tennis Canada are dire because of that, but they are still trying to do all they can to support the heart of their federation, and as we like to say, hey, great shot to you, Tennis Canada, because anything, at the, you know, every effort needs to be appreciated, every effort needs to be, you know, it recognized as some sort of outreach, some sort of part on Tennis Canada to do their role, and I know the players certainly appreciate that, so shout out to Tennis Canada for that sort of announcement. Also, shout out to the French Tennis Federation. The FFT announces $21 million in relief funding. I believe that's the French Tennis Federation. That might be wrong, but I think I'm right. The French Federation de Tennis, that sounds familiar, uh, announces $21 million in relief funding for clubs and pros, including $2 million for players who are are not helped by the tour. They've joined the LTA, the Italian Federation, the RFT, among those uh, you know who have given, as well as the Slams, who have given help. Um, you know, again, all these organizations stepping up as much needed. This news comes from Kamakshi Tandon, our friend, of course, who you know as a writer for various. Uh, tennis outlets. Most recently, she's written for Tennis.com, who of course are our friends here at Cracked Racket. So awesome uh, to see her, uh, or you know, credit to her for the story, but awesome again to see another organization step up. I also want to give a shout out to one of our own here at Cracked Rackets. Clark Cummings wrote a piece, ATP Player Relief Fund, and on the Hamburg Open, the prospective Hamburg Open, which would be the first tennis uh, event still on the schedule in July in the hypothetical world that we get tennis back this season, which of course seems quite unlikely at this point. But, you know, more importantly, he summarizes the current state of the ATP Player Relief Fund. He gets quotes from uh, the current Baylor volunteer assistant coach, as well as from J.C. Aragoni, uh, our friend here at Crack Rackets, former Virginia standout player, top 300 player as well. Uh, it's a really well-written article. I think all of you will enjoy, and you can find it on our website, CrackedRackets.com. Some other things I've enjoyed reading because I always want to give shout-outs, and I'm about to talk about it with Carousel, but go check out MyTennisHQ.com to read Martin Redlicky's thoughts on the Player Relief Fund and why it's you know very much needed by right now by so many players. It's a really well-written piece. I think all of you will enjoy that. I also want to give a shout-out to my boy, Parsa Namadi. And you know for the longest time, I thought Parsa was a myth, and to be honest, he might be. He might not be, but you know how you can find out by going to the UTR seminar webinars he plans on moderating about the pathway to becoming a successful junior and college player. People who will be joining him are Ronnie Schneider will be on that one. I believe Jordan Agnes will be on that one. Katerina Admovich and more all on the show. So go check that out. And of course, you'll get to find out, is he real? Is he a myth? Those dates, May 14th at noon Pacific time, May 25th first at noon pacific time for his two webinars uh, i'm looking forward to that i'm definitely gonna have to pop in and say hello but uh, grind his gears a little bit uh, but shout out to parsa for making that happen also shout out 
to the UNC women's tennis team. And this is news you will have heard broken. You know, they, they announced it on Twitter, which beats us by a day, but now released on our Cracked Interviews podcast, where I talked to UNC senior Alexa Graham about the decision he, she and her fellow Tar Heel seniors are making to come back for the 2021 season. You know, hopefully we get that season. But Westoff, the UNC women, as I mentioned, played a clip. Will you play us a, a, a little bit of video, a little bit of audio from that clip now? I'm so excited to announce that I've decided to come back for a fifth year and extend my graduation until next May. Uh, this team is just so special, and I'm incredibly grateful to have another year here. I felt like we had some unfinished business uh, this year, and I'm just so excited to have another great season next year. Everyone who knows me um, knows that this team means everything to me, and I was just trying to wrap my head around only having like two more months left with them, let alone not getting to finish my season. So I'm also super excited to announce that I will be coming back for my fifth year. Um, I was accepted into Hussman, so I'll be joining their broadcast journalism program. Good news is I'll be joining my fellow seniors in coming back. Some people have talked about our our trip in the Bahamas, and I can tell you that (laughs) I can tell you exactly where the three of us were the moment that we found out that we might get extra eligibility. We were literally sitting in the pool yelling across the pool. We had people staring at us like we were crazy, but I think that was just a sign, you know, for everyone to understand how excited we were. Like Alexa said, we were counting down the days, the months, and uh, to get a whole extra year is something that I never imagined um, getting. So it was very sad the way that it ended, but we've got so much excitement going into next year. It's going to be amazing, Um, so I'm really excited. School-wise, I'm currently applying to as many different graduate programs as I can, so I am graduating this spring, Um, so not quite sure where I'm going to end up yet, but I'm really excited about the potential opportunity to continue my athletic and academic uh, career at UNC. On behalf of the team, we do feel that we have some unfinished business. Um, We had, obviously, a great season going. And uh, we accomplished a lot, but um, I think uh, with the announcement of these three seniors coming back and the unbelievable players that we have surrounding them, uh, we're excited for the future. As a college tennis fan, it's awesome to hear that the UNC team is going to bring back their roster because, you know, they're adding a couple of blue chips as well. But this year's team was special. This year's team might have been the best women's college tennis team I have ever seen. You know, they were 18-0. and They ran the table at the National Indoor. Certainly they were off to that sort of a start. So they get the chance to run it back that they deserve. And that is going to be a fascinating season for us to monitor. And again, if you want to hear more about the prospective UNC season, go check out the Cracked Interviews podcast I did with UNC senior Alexa Graham. Now, released on your Cracked Interviews podcast, so be sure to go check that out later today. Two last things, then we'll rock and roll. Shout out to CeCe Bellis for teaming up with Voss Water to supply frontline workers at Dignity Health uh, with over 1,000 bottles of water. And then shout out to Sonia Mirza, who's going to donate the funds she won from being the Asia Oceana Group 1 winner of the Fed Cup Heart Award. Uh, she's going to donate those to the relief to the uh, Telangana CM Relief Fund as the world is going through very difficult times for the virus shout out to her just that's why she wins uh the fed cup hard or for that sort of action but with that being said 
Uh, again, it's a bit of a different Technique Tuesday than usual. Of course, we talk with Grusel about uh, the latest article at My Tennis HQ. But in the spirit of Next Gen Week, we also want to talk about some of the Next Gen guys. And I asked him straight up, the, you know, it's a two-part question. A, how many of the Next Gen guys do you currently think are capable of someday winning a Grand Slam? B, what do they need to improve in their games to reach the level to where they can win that slam? Uh, And it's a really fun conversation because we agree about some things, but we certainly disagree about others. So you're definitely not going to want to miss that. And with that being said, let's get to it. My conversation with My Tennis HQ's Carousel right after this commercial break. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Joining us for another edition of Technique Tuesday, you know him as a former standout for the UCLA men's tennis team, the current hitting partner for Naomi Osaka, and of course, one of the co-founders of our friends at My Tennis HQ, Crusell. Welcome back to the show. How are you doing? I'm good. Thanks for having me back. Uh, I feel like the <laughs> the weeks are going by so fast. It's like we're doing this every day. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's time flies when you're having fun. It's funny. It's like it's like oh my god, like it's been two weeks already. This is what done this, but um, yeah, it's everything good. Just you know, doing the same as everyone right now. Yeah, no, I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, I mean, I I feel completely the same way. I couldn't tell you when we talked to what guest. I can only tell what we've talked about recently because I go back to YouTube and I see it in my search bar. I'm like, oh, yeah, I think I did a pod based off of that thought a little bit ago. But, yeah, no, things are certainly starting to blend together. But, nevertheless, it is always a pleasure to have you on the podcast. And, of course, you know, we are going to stick to the theme of Technique Tuesday today. We want to talk about Mm -hmm. an article you guys wrote at My Tennis HQ. But we also want to stick to the next gen week theme we are doing here at the mini break podcast so we're going to end with a conversation about the next gen guys who in the group we think has the potential to someday compete for and win a grand slam and what they need to improve in their game to get to that point uh but let's start with my tennis hq because again you guys have been up to all sorts of cool things on there uh even before we get to the article do you want to tell everyone about what martin redlicky wrote for the site today uh, yeah, we just had, we opened up kind of like an op-ed session, op-ed session for people to, you know, pros or coaches or whatever to, to kind of like, you know, be a platform for them to write about, about something they're, you know, they maybe just want to get off their chest, something that they, uh, something about tennis that they wish to do. And Marty, uh, talked today about the, the player re- relief fund, which has been kind of like a hot topic. Some people like it some people don't um and again none of those uh opinions in that in that you know op-ed session is necessarily what we believe in it's not like we agree with all that we're just giving a platform for people to say what they want to say and um uh so it's nice it was a nice first article he actually wrote a good article i mean there's some things i agree with us and things i don't but uh, if you want to check it out, is our latest article right now on the website. So you'll see he's, you know, Marty, 500 in the world, kind of like in that 
200 in doubles and, and in that, um, you know, really affected spot in tennis right now. So um, it's worth the read. Yeah, yeah, and the article for people who are curious is the player relief fund, why it needs to happen now, as you mentioned, written by a former UCLA standout NCAA doubles champion, Martin Redlicky. And the piece talks about the struggles for players ranked between, you know, 700 and 250. It talks about what mm-hmm. they go through on a day-by-day basis, what the player relief funds would be put towards should the right sorts of players get in, why it's necessary to help these sort of players stay afloat so that they continue can continue you to pursue their dreams it's a really well written piece as you mentioned so everyone should go check that out I do want to mention one more thing before we get into the article because I, I completely forgot about this as you mentioned time sort of blends on top of one another but you know all of these weeks blend together I sent you the video clip of my highlights you gave me the tape back with your commentary we'll certainly release that along with this podcast because I didn't get to talk about it with Austin but I have to ask what you what'd you think of the game I feel like the bunt backhand is an appropriate topic uh it is I mean it was uh I mean the the backhand was definitely more solid you can tell the footwork was good um it's just the forehand can like if you're again like I said in the video I think it's more a, a distance thing where your your space is always kind of sometimes it's right sometimes it's wrong so you're having to fix it a little bit more with your hands and arms than you should have um and i can't remember i think something about your base right a little wider base on the forehand yeah um but yeah it was uh i mean overall the game is solid if anything like you you don't need to move as much i think you just need to focus more on your on your positioning instead of like you know just giving unnecessary steps um uh, again i try to teach that to most of my kids like moving efficiently you know still moving quickly still being on your toes but you know don't waste any any energy with unnecessary steps it's once you're in the right distance you hit the ball don't don't try to look like you're more intense than you need to <laughs> well i think uh, having done this podcast like case, but i see kids do that um but yeah it was a uh, it was cool yeah, I was going to say, uh, given how many pods we've done together, I think you know I get a little energetic. I get a little excited. And so that energy yeah. <laughs> manifests itself, you know, in the form of footwork. Uh, again, this is just an ego show for me, but I have to ask the question. You've heard, you know, I don't know if we, I don't think we've ever met in person yet, but we've chatted a no. bunch of times and we've gotten candid with one another on mic and off of it. Better yeah. or worse tennis player than you expected? Just be honest. Better. I thought yeah. you were gonna, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, I thought you were going to be like not very good. <laughs> and I'm not not very good. I'm just fine, right? I'm fine. Yeah, you're fine. Yeah, you're fine. You yeah. can hit, you can rally. Like if I needed someone to warm me up before a match, I, I could use you. Yeah. Backhands only. We just hit that, backhands. That would be like, enough. That's fine. That's fine. That's all I need anyway. Yeah. I'll take it. That's a victory. Yeah, that's right. It's the element of surprise. It's the voice. The voice does not portray someone who's got too much energy and moves his feet more than he should. If anything, it's the exact opposite. But I'll take it. That's a victory. And again, the theme of today's podcast um, is something that resonates with my tennis game, and it's how to hit a flat bunt backhand like Kyrgios and Cam Nori. And it's interesting. Those are the examples you turn to. You also point to Alex Dimenauer, all guys who Mm -hmm. meet my qualifications for being considered next gen or are right on the border of being it and so even before we get into the mechanics of the flat flat bunk uh bunt backhand can you sort of explain what that shot is how it differs from the you know standard backhand uh i mean 
first it's, it has to be more of like a two-hander i don't i don't really know if you can do that uh, with the with a one-hander first first thing uh but if you watch guys like curious or nori or the minar you can see they have not that much top spin uh, on their shot but they hit very through the court um so the ball comes off really flat there's not a lot of shape so like if you think about like rafa nadal's back and that you know goes up and down a little bit more um it's kind of the opposite of that it's like really really flattened through um not necessarily the biggest it's not necessarily like the the the, the hardest back end but it is very consistent it's annoying to play because the ball stays slow uh stays nice and low um and it's easy to like actually absorb a lot of pace um that's why you see cano like especially nick nick you know in his returns uh how good he is he just compact blocks the ball back um I think he's kind of like the the best. I think more people watch him more, so you can kind of like think about his back end when you're thinking about about this shot. And uh, yeah, I just I just like the like the shot. I think the Novak, Kane, Shikori guys who have like the best back ends in the world, I think do add a little bit more top spin. But they have both. They can block a little. They kind of have all of them. So that's why they're the best. But this is a shot that I think it's it's kind of nice to have. It doesn't necessarily mean that you're gonna hit it every every time but uh i just i think this was our first article like ever yeah i just really wanted to write that one at the time so um <laughs> so yeah i i, I just kind of had a good time doing it yeah no what i've learned is if you think you can write about something just do it because otherwise yeah. you know when you're like oh i should write about this those are the hard ones when you're like i yeah. want to write about something that's when you do it and i feel as though the bunt backhand because it is an offensive shot right you're taking the ball early you're trying to take yeah. time away from your opponent but to me in the modern game it, replace is the wrong word but it reminds yeah. me of the way the slice used to be hit in the early 2000s, in the late 90s, in terms of taking it aggressively and early and just trying to take time away. Is that the purpose of the flat bunt backhand, just, you know, taking the ball early, just disrupting the time of your opponent? I think some of it, yes. I think you you definitely end up, uh, you're able to to hit the ball a little earlier more often just because uh, you have a little bit less wrist action, so you're going to you're going to make contact. It's easier to make contact in front, uh, to be honest. So, it, you know, if the ball is coming big, you can actually do that. You can play a little bit old school and, and try to take the ball early. But I just really like it almost as a, you know, it's a change in, in pace. So if you look actually at the guys uh, that I mentioned, Kyrgios and Norris, they, they do have fairly, um, you know, heavy forehands. They, they both play you know, heavy on the forehand side and then very flat on the backhand side. And just that change of, of you know, style, how the ball is coming to you, like, right? One ball is coming, bouncing a little bit higher, but then you hit to the back and it's coming nice, it's coming low. And then you're just having to adjust over and over to different shots. And I think that's, uh, I think that's why, why I, I believe it's actually nice to have because if you, especially if you have like a very heavy forehand, it, it can be like almost like a change of pace, like a slice, but a little bigger, a little more through, and you can move the ball a little bit around, like around the court better, and then dominate with the forehand, which is what Cam and and Kyrgios do very well. 
Mm-hmm. And I think a guy like Kyrgios, why he has success with lefties so frequently uh, is because he can take that ball early. He absorbs yeah. the topspin of his opponent and just, you know, redirects that. He doesn't yeah. need to put any topspin on his own. But would you say that's the biggest sacrifice of the shot is the, just the lack of ability to produce your own topspin? Yeah, I mean, that's definitely like a generating power from it um, because, you you know, you end up not using as much of your um, – you know, just your arms a little more, let the record drop and, and, and really like plow through the ball. It's more of like, you know, you, you guiding it. It's hard to generate your own face. It's nice to like, even with balls, the top spin is nice to use face, but when you're generating your own pace, it can be a little bit tricky. So, you know, it just kind of depends on the person. If they always hit like that, they're, they're just probably going to find a way to do it. But if you're, you're just adding that to your shots, uh, um, then you know you might want to stay away from it if the ball is too slow and if you're not able, maybe if you're not able to run around your back and then the ball is coming a little bit too slowly or if it's a slice that is staying low uh, it's also a bit tricky if the ball is coming in a deep uh, low slice or even a, sh- a short one would be the, the toughest one um so you know it just really depends on what your opponent is giving you but you know most people are hitting the ball through and and you know, giving you some pace so it's actually nice to have yeah, would you say that for guys like the Kyrgios, the Norris, the guys who execute this backhand, that it's their primary backhand, that it's not just something, it's not a tool in their chest, it's not something to turn to, but it's, you know, this is the sort of backhand, I guess, mentality and backswing that you have point in, point out with this sort of stroke? Yeah, I think, I mean, if I watch them, I mean, from what I remember watching them, like that's yeah. the, the, the one rack, the one they end up using uh, the most kind of like um, it, it is their default back end. I think they're, they're both able to obviously if they need to come up with angles and, and generate more top spin um, they, they they do but you know if you watch Nick and like especially on the back end side he's really like he's kind of relaxed he hits the ball like you know it's, um, it's, it's relaxed but stiff at the same time like his racket is really really strong through it it's not like as whippy as like Rafa for example but but he's able to like just take so much pace there like anyone I mean it's really, it's really hard to see him struggle uh, on the forehand side um, oh the backhand side I'm sorry um, with pace if someone is like really hitting super hard to him so um, yeah I think I think they, they do use it perfectly and same with Dominar Dominar does, does that super well too well here would be my only counters because in my time watching Nick, I feel like a lot of his backhand errors do come when he tries to generate topspin, generate angle with the shot. Mm-hmm. And so just, you know, is that something you sacrifice? I mean, you've sort of alluded to it, but is that a sacrifice worth making if you can execute this sort of backhand correctly? Uh, yeah, I mean, it, you can do it. It's not, it's not necessarily uh, impossible to do it. I just think... Um... It, you know, you, you do need to use a little bit more of your body, and it, it is a little bit more risky because you don't have as much topspin. So you wanna you want a little bit less clearance of the net if you're going for it. Um, so you know, if you're actually adding adding extra power to it, um, if you know, if you don't really, you know, hit the right height, you know, it might sail long. So yeah, I've seen him you know pull trigger down the line a, a good amount of times. It ends up sailing a little bit long. Um, so you just kind of have to pick the right time. That would be, I think my, my, my tip. It's like, if you have it, like 
pick the right ball, the one that, you know, is giving you a little bit of pace that you can work with. Um, otherwise, you can, you know, try to, you know, stay consistent until you have that, that opportunity. So that's the time you should use the shot, and you've alluded to this a little bit earlier, but when should you not try to execute this shot? Um, I'd say, I mean, if I, I'd say if you're maybe a little bit too far behind the, the baseline and the ball isn't, isn't that powerful, maybe deep balls that someone's playing maybe deep and heavy and you're having to like, if you're, you know, having a hard time stepping into the court and having to back up from all the way back there, it might be a little tricky to generate enough power. Um, so you might end up overdoing it because overcooking a little bit um, because you're, you're feeling a little far back. So I think that would be really the only time. Um, Cause again, I think it's a really good shot for changing direction for, you know, keeping the other guy on the, on on moving like just you know guy you know if it's a lefty person who's hitting high to your back and you can you know switch to down the line fairly easy um but you know also stay cross and using their pace so i think it's a it's a really good shot for moving the ball around the court and uh, setting up a good forehand um i think that that would be my tip for that yeah, and you know, in terms of its effectiveness and how to, or I guess how to train yourself to be effective with it, what are the ways you practice this stroke, and what are you know um, the mistakes you want to avoid? I think a few things would be. I mean, I have the, there's a video there in the in the article, so you, you know you guys check that out. But <laughs> <clears throat> sorry, um, I think to train it, it, it is a little bit tricky because. Um, you know, if you don't have anyone looking at it, um, you, you might think you're doing it right, but but you're not. So it, it's just one of those things. Like it's always hard to teach technique over an article or, or a video. But uh, a few things you want to kind of keep in mind, I'd say, uh, the take back a little bit higher, like always a little bit higher than the line of the ball. Uh, so because you're not really getting under the ball, you you need to be able to create this loop where you're coming from behind the ball and you're gonna push it forward. Um, so the take back a little bit higher, um, your body positioning, you know, you need to make sure you get a little bit lower with your legs and you have a, a solid turn on your on your shoulders, um, you know, kind of leaning into the ball. Um, you don't wanna hit that, that shot backing up with your body. Yeah, and for you listeners um, who hear that in the background, I apologize. That's our dog Quavo getting excited <laughs> about the bunt backhand. Um, and uh, yeah, so you don't want to like the problem is if you you know if you make, as you make contact, you're leaning back. You're you kind of risking the the racket face to open up a little bit, and then you can like kind of sail it long. So you want to stay you know leaning into the ball kind of through the shot. Um, another thing I would say the left the left hand um and wrist um you want you kind of want to grip the racket a little bit bit firmer um you don't want a lot of wrist movement uh you know right before the shot usually your wrists break a little bit more um you want to keep that 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 kind of it's a it's a motion of more think about like more pushing with the left hand than pulling you know with the right arm um but not like you're you're pushing more the ball than like brushing the ball like a forehand, right? Like, cause you know, backhand pretty much is hitting a forehand with the left, the left hand. So, um, so you just, you're trying to like push that ball through, you're guiding, you're keeping that ball in the strings a little bit longer as you guide it through. 
and uh, you know contact in front which is you know in any shot if you want that contact in front but especially here but I think a little bit of a misconception is when you think about this back and is that because it's so flat and it's kind of coming it's not necessarily coming high to low but it's not necessarily coming so super low to high um, is that you know the racket needs to just go straight but it, you as as soon as you make contact um, and you push the ball forward your racket needs to start moving up he always needs to move up really you know uh, even a little bit extra high elbow finish if you watch Cam Nori doing it you see his right elbow because his lefty always finishes super high because because you you're hitting the ball from like right behind it and not really coming like under the ball too much if you you know don't make sure your racket moves moves upward the right way um you're just kind of you might just kind of push it into the net that makes sense so you want to make sure um that racket moves up so that's kind of like the tips again it's in it's in the article so you guys will kind of have a it's hiring a podcast to <laughs> i'm trying to like make sense here but uh, yeah it's, it's it's those are those are my my biggest tips um for it yeah, no, I can see you, you know, as you're talking us through doing it with your hands. And so I can yeah. visualize it well. Um, yeah, I'm but doing I, it with my hands. <laughs> yeah, um, but my last question on the bunt backhand is, do you think it helps with the return, just the shortened backswing, helping you take oh, things it's, early? It's great. Um, not even not even just to take it early, but um, I'd say you're struggling with, with someone – you know, regardless of your level, if you're playing, you know, club tennis or, or juniors, you're struggling with someone who has a big serve, um, but maybe they're not like as well placed. Uh, this is also a good way to return. You you have a firm, and this is this is would be for another pod, podcast talking about returns, but <laughs> um, a firm hand in the returns is very important because the, obviously the serve is probably the fastest shot you're playing against. So if you have loose hands. Um, you know, your racket might wobble a little bit. Your contact won't be as firm. If you actually use the bunt back and with like a shorter take back, um, but kind of following the, you know, the follow through that I just said, especially, you know, coming a little bit more behind the ball, strong hands through it, and then try to keep the ball a little bit longer in the strings, you're actually going to absorb that pace much better. Um, regardless if you're actually taking it earlier, which, you know, for more advanced players might help, but if you're playing someone who's a big server and and you just back up a few steps and you use that, you're just going to absorb the pace, send it back deep nicely, um, and it's actually going to be super helpful. So it, um, whatever, you know, for you guys who, who look at the article and watch the video, um, it is something you can you can use on your return. Um, you probably won't be able, especially if you're playing a, a fast, um, someone with a big serve, you probably won't be able to hit it close stance on the return. Obviously, it's probably gonna have to be wide stance. But you know, the the upper body principles still follow. Just nice, good, good shoulder turn, um, strong through the the contact, and making sure you're keeping the ball in the string a little bit longer. You don't try to do too much with your wrist. You don't. You're not trying to add extra spin. You're trying to just guide the ball there a little bit. And guiding isn't an easy thing, but um, you know, especially on, you know, we don't want to do it on the forehand side, but on, on the backhand side, you can get away with it. So, um, yeah, definitely try that out on, on your returns if you feel like uh, you're struggling a little bit on the backhand return. 
Yeah, no, without question. Again, to see video representation of what Carew has been describing, be sure to go to mytennishq.com, the article, How to Hit a Flat Bunt Backhand Like Kyrios and Nori, written, of course, by Carew. It's a really, it's a great article. It's many visualizations to help talk you through what is a difficult shot to try and execute. So again, Carew, thank you for that article. Hopefully, Absolutely. all of you listeners will go check that out. All right, now I want to change gears a little bit and as I mentioned it's next gen week here at the mini break podcast I texted you today and I said or before recording this um, and I said crew I want to talk about the next gen I want to ask you about the guys you think can win grand slams at some point in their careers and what they'll need to improve in order to get to that level and a couple of disclaimers before we get into this conversation one there's the inherent fact that at some point mother nature will deem Djokovic Nadal and Federer unable to continue to be playing this high level of tennis Hopefully. Otherwise, they're freaks of nature. Hopefully is the wrong word. I mean, if not, they're freaks of nature, and we need to get them into a laboratory ASAP because clearly their blood plasma, whatever's in there, makes them special. And, like, we should be harvesting it and making all humans in that form. The next form of human should be the Homo Raphaeus. And, you know, I think that's that's fair. Um, And so, anyways, that's off topic. But the point being, at some point in their career, someone in this cohort— will likely win a Grand Slam. And it's very easy right now to say yes to all of these players. But, you know, with that disclaimer in mind, the other idea, the next-gen ATP, my generation, because it's always all about me here at the mini break, uh, they've got to be younger than me, born after October 1995 to qualify. That means all of those people are under the age of 25 now. Will I make an exception maybe for a Kyrgios or a Mackie because I think they're only six months older than me? Yeah, you want to throw them in there, that's fine. But what this really is to say is, Dominic team, though slamless, does not qualify for this category. All right. With that being said, Carew, I have nine guys right now under the age of 25 who I think will all at some point win a Grand Slam in their career. Let's just start okay. here. Is that higher let me, or... Let me, let, me, let me see. Let me see. Let me see. Real quick. Okay. Um, because I want to know if that... My question to you is, is that higher or lower than the number you have? Ooh, I like this counting. I like this suspense. Okay, I have, I think I have six or seven. Uh, okay. It's, it's a kind of, oh, I guess, what am I, it's seven or eight. Okay, seven or eight. Okay, I lied also. Uh, I have 10. I did a quick recount okay. myself. But I have 10 guys, you have seven or eight. You want to start with the ones we're definitely going to agree on? Well, I want to say Tsitsipa, Zverev. Okay, yeah. So we definitely agree on Tsitsipas and Zverev. And let's start with the obvious uh, for both of them. And I guess let's go Zverev first. This is the guy who has three Masters titles in his career. He won the year-end championships in 2018. He made the first semifinal of his career at a major in Australia. He's been the youngest guy in his cohort to win each and every, you know, to be the first accomplished each and every step of the way. Mm -hmm. He's reached a career high of number three in the ATP rankings. And I continue to say this, and as I've gone further back in history during this quarantine, uh, I have never seen someone that size be so fluid and so proficient from the baseline and behind it. I think he's a special athlete. I really can say I have never seen anyone comparable to Alex Virev, and I, I just, like, I mean, there's no denying he has the upside to win a Grand Slam. Yeah, I don't think there's, I don't think there's a lot of an argument there. I think I mean, there's a lot of haters there. That's for sure. <laughs> but, 
you know, maybe maybe don't like him, but he's done more than all of the other guys. Like, you, you just can't really argue it. Like, no one, none of them have won, like, what he's won so far. So, um, and, you know, he's younger than most of them. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I think him, it seems like well, it's a matter of, it seems like it's a matter of mental, just being the right, right place. Um, so that's what I was, I, technical I was gonna say, things, but I don't, I don't really, I mean, he's, he's wanted with what he has. So I, I you know, it's hard, hard to argue with that. Yeah. And you look at some of the guys, you know, Zverev at this point, I think he turned 23 this month or like last month. He is still a young pup, uh, in yeah. the perspective of tennis years. And is he the young 21 year old beady eyed kid who's winning the Rogers cup? No, he's not anymore. Um, yeah. but certainly he is still has his best years ahead of him, particularly as the primes of players gets later and later in their careers. But yeah, you talk about the thing that stands out particularly of late. For a guy who's six foot six, and maybe he might even be a little bit taller than that, but you know, in that range, the serve needs to improve. Because when he's playing his yeah. best tennis, like he did at the ATP finals, like he did through the first four rounds of the Australian Open this year, uh, like he's done when he's won his Masters events, that first serve can be a weapon. And you look yeah. for him, you know, career stats wise, he makes about 64% of his first serves, which is solid. And he wins 74% of those first serve points. But he's already at 1,400 double faults for his career. And just to put it in perspective for you guys, Djokovic in his career, 2,400. So think about how many more years he's been there. Federer, 2,700. Nadal, 1,900. A guy like Marin Cilic, 2,100. You know, Burdich had 2,200 over 16 years. I mean, Zverev has racked up the double faults quickly. And it's a combination, right? It's the serve, which really comes back to, you know, the one square foot of real estate that decides matches, which which is the mental yeah. side. That is, and I thought we saw a jump from him this semifinals, and that's why I still am most confident in him. And I think the concern, if you're another next-gen player as well, if Svirov wins the first one, we could be in a lot of trouble because he could go on a little streak there once he gets that confidence. But I do think it's both confidence-related and serve-related. Yeah, I think, it, I think it, yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd say the forehand needs to be a little bit better. Um, mm-hmm. like it's and still... the volleys. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah, his transition game. I I just think it's kind of he's still. I wouldn't say that he has holes, but he still has like so much to develop in so many areas that I would assume he will develop. You know, in the next three, four, five, six years, that you know, if he was already winning with what he has now against you know three three the best players ever. I don't think he. I. I just, you know, I if I, if I could, I'd put money that he would win uh, a slam. That's for sure. Um, well, that's so, the crazy part. Just to jump onto that is that it does feel like as good as he is now, he's not in his refined form. He could no, get so not. much better. Se- second serve isn't. I, I don't know what it is with the second serve. I don't know if it's a motion thing or if it's, you know if he's got any yips here and there, like in the beginning of the year, but. Um, the forehand still like they're they're determined that is you know super solid, but you can see it still defaults into like running around the forehand, hitting him back in a lot. Um, and dude, I mean I I can really say I've seen him being super effective at the, at the net. Um, so you know if you if you work if you develop those areas, which I'm sure they're doing, 
um, in the next few years that he would be a scary player because he moves well. He's, he's okay being in the back, being solid if he needs to. But I do think, like, he, he gets a little bit passive. Like, with his size, he, he should be, you know, a little more Del Potro-ish um, in that way. Like, Del Potro can also stay in the back forever if he wants to. But, you know, at 6'6", every ball is waist high or or chest high. So you can really clock balls um, more often than other guys. You can really almost hit down on them. So um, I think if you could add a little bit of Delpo to, to his game, um, it would be it would be fantastic. No, I completely agree with you there. And that gets back to the transition game. He's a guy who knows he should be moving forward mm. more, but he gets out there and he's just lost. There's no plan, yeah. clearly. his yeah, job. He gets out there and he's like, all right, I'm 6'6". Six, six. I can cover whatever the volley yeah. is, not I'm hitting this approach to draw a backhand cross-court pass so I can knife it off with my first volley. You know, that, that pattern, the patterns aren't there yet. But yeah, yeah, I think we all agree. He is a guy who should, you know, you play his career out 10 times. I think in nine of them, he wins at least one grand slam hopefully we'll get to live in one of those nine universes sometime yeah. soon all right the other guy you mentioned stefano Tsitsipas, who again pedigree wise semi-finalist 2019 australian open champion of the 2019 atp finals event a guy who's currently inside the top 10 i believe he sits right now in the live rankings at number six or seven number six uh, but reached a career high of number five again upside wise he's a guy who's been at the lead of the pack in his cohort his entire life was you know number one junior in the world at one point yeah. all of the pedigree is there what is the thing you think he needs to improve most to uh you know climb that mountain get to a grand slam winning yeah. level honestly like i i don't really know like I, I, other than I repetitions game, yeah i think i think you're looking at his game like he he i mean he served his toss can be a little bit wild uh, but he kind of makes it work so you know you know to each their own um he both sides are solid i think he could use a little bit of more to slice on the back side, but then again it's not necessarily that's gonna make him win a slam um it's like technically i think he's so he's so sound and he's kind of a wild card mentally but i almost think it is it's in a good way he's different he's he is you know in his own world sometimes but he can, you can see him is just incredibly competitive so I think that that part of his his game is that he's like a weird mix between Rafa and uh, and Fed, you know, like where you know he kind of has like the pretty game and you know moves well and you know the wani and all that, um, and has that competition that that Rafa has, but like he still gets kind of you know gets that. Well, they're all comp- really competitive. Fed in the same way, Novak the same way, but like shows it a little bit more like Rafa, I'd say. Um, but you know, still gets a little upset or extra upset with a couple of things but i don't know i just think i just think he stefano's is just time i don't i he's obviously putting in the work um he's obviously fit that he can you know play through through with this guy um i just think it's time i just think it's uh, it, you know it's like sometimes it's just a moment it's like yeah that, that this was the time that it needed to happen i hope it's before the big three um retire so it doesn't look like oh yeah like oh look at this loser now they're winning <laughs> kind of thing like they couldn't do it while like Rafa and Novak and Fed were winning everything but but yeah I just I honestly just think for him you know maybe develop it a little bit physically and all that but I, I just think it's really it's time I mean, he's only 21 he says 21.7 years of age right now so um I think you give him a little bit more time and he'll, he'll do it 
No, to your point, what boxes he checks off are all the intangible boxes, right? He has a winner mentality. He's going to play to win. He's not going to play not to lose. Mm -hmm. That being said, having watched a lot of young Federer, because game comparison-wise of style of play, and it's not a direct comparison, but you see all the things Tsitsipas wants to do on a court, and you you obviously want to say, oh, he wants to attack like Roger Federer. I think he has chops and instincts and, you know, uh, the ability to aggressively get to the net in a good fashion. But young Federer used to have a gear where he could scamper around a little bit and play a little bit of defense when needed. And I'm mm-hmm. not saying Tsitsipas doesn't have that ability because he really does. He is better at, you know, he's quicker than you would think for someone at, built as stockily as he is. But yeah. I haven't seen that defensive gear quite yet. And in the era of big baseline tennis, you just have to have that gear be top notch if you want to win a slam because there's going to be a match where someone's going to try and hit through you and just be playing yeah. outstanding tennis. And I just haven't seen that yet quite from Pass. But as you mentioned, you know, for both Zverev and Pass, more than anything, it's just time. When are they going to play yeah, enough he's like to He eventually? actually, he reminds me of what I used to say. Like, um, I actually just, just remind myself of that. He, he's a little bit like Guga for me. He Interesting. Has, yeah, he has like, Remember, if you watch Guga, Guga was unbelievably good. But like, if you watch him closely, you're like, if you just watch his strokes, you're just kind of like, he's just so kind of like all over the place, and he's like a lengthy, tall guy, um, a little bit wild. Guga, you know, Guga was like this super cool guy that everyone loves. But I mean, he would break rackets, you know, all the time. And and I think he's just kind of Guga. I think he's just gonna go get through this the moment he needs to get, and he's gonna win it. Like I, I, I actually have had this conversation with a lot of people, and I, I, I he reminds me a lot of him. Not in like the he's off court stuff, but just like you know, he's just kind of style. You look at he doesn't do anything like exceptional um, to see us, but he checks all the boxes, and he's incredibly competitive, and he obviously looks like he's you know getting better and better and so i just think for him it's just timing yeah it's gonna happen i just don't necessarily know when um it's gonna be the day you know one of these draws opens up a little bit he gets the confidence and yeah it's gonna be hard to beat you know maybe rafa novak back to back but you know who knows yeah, no, maybe Zverev beats one of them for him, and we get to see yeah. it in a slam final. All right, we definitely both agree on those two. Do we both yeah. agree on Daniil Medvedev? Uh, I am, like, on a maybe, like, 85% agreeing on that. Like, it's not that I, I don't think he will. I just, like, he, he's made just made finals of the assumption. So, like, I, I'm very torn. I, I Again, he is the kind of guy who you look at it, and I'm just like, okay, what is, you know – what is he doing? But like, he, you know, with forehand, backhand, whatever, it's like, you know, you know, he has wild strokes, but he, again, another guy who's incredibly competitive. And, you know, the more I watch the MJ documentary, I'm like, man, you just gotta be sorry for swearing, but f-ing competitive. <laughs> like that's, that's why you, that's why you need like, you know, it's this, this sort of competition just really, um, just competitive juice just really, you know, can take you higher than just like, Oh, I have pretty strokes. Um, so, you know, he's a wild card too. And, uh, he was obviously, um, um, who do you lose to in Australia? Do we know? Do, do, do I remember that? This year? How did year? he do there? Yeah. How did he do I want to say he lost to Zverev? 
No, he didn't lose to Zverev. Who did he lose to? I will look that up. Um, yeah, but yeah, well, I, I think, I think, like again, I'm, I, I, he was in my list. I think, I think he win it. But the thing is, like, what, the, what we, what we don't know, it's like, mm. as soon as the, you know, the, the top three kind of, you know, slows down, or maybe these guys reach the next levels, we just don't know which two or three are gonna actually, you know, reach that level. I, I just don't, I just don't think 10 guys um unless it's kind of like a weak era where not a weak era but you know kind of like right before fed there where you know there was like a few one two maybe three time grand slam winners uh, but there's like, no if, definitive top dog yeah there's no like yeah there's no top dog maybe there that's what we're gonna see but maybe one of these guys is gonna be the top dog or two of these guys so i just don't know you know which one maybe medvedev We'll have the game, maybe, t- but two of the other guys will just like have a little bit more forever. We just don't know. Okay. You know what I mean? So, uh, but I do think, yeah, he's in it. He's in there. Yeah. No. I. I. I first of all, Medvedev five set loss, and how could I forget this? Two stand yeah. in the fourth round. Rublev was the oh, one okay. who lost to Zverev. Medvedev was up two sets to one. Had so many chances in that fourth set against Wawrinka. Lost it seven six. Then lost the fifth six two. Um, but yeah, to your point, you know, in terms of who I think is more likely to emerge as a top dog, I think the ceil- ceiling of a Zverev and a Tsitsipas is higher than a Medvedev. Who again, it's death yeah. by a thousand paper cuts. He just. Yeah. He has these ways of breaking you down and just physically he has the profile of the modern tennis player. Six foot five, yeah. six foot six, so you know, he's got the big serve built in, but he's also fluid and lanky and moves yeah. so well and can turn and crank out winners when you least expect it. And it's not necessarily yeah, I mean, a bunt backhand, but it's a low flat backhand that takes away time. I yeah. mean He's got it all. And I, and then just, you know, last point on Medvedev, because I think you hit all of the points pretty well. But just to recap what he did at the end of last season, finals of the City Open, finals of the Rogers Cup, he wins Cincinnati, finals of the U.S. Open, wins St. Petersburg, wins Shanghai, uh, and then ends up losing in Paris and the World Tour finals. But you don't have that stretch of success unless you're going to be really good. Yeah, no, and I just like, how can you deny that? He's doing something. He's doing something right. I've I've watched it. I asked people who played him, and it's like he just hits the ball super deep, super flat. So he's yards on the back foot. He moves really well. He's he's he has you know he's fearless. He'll go for you know big second serves when he's down break point. So you know he has all the qualities. He's just really who's gonna be able to put it together. Uh, you know above the other guys once or twice or three times. We don't know. Yeah, uh, no, he's going to take it he, to the next gear. Mm-hmm. He's know? a modern Leighton Hewitt. Yeah, he is. He is a tall Leighton Hewitt. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right, let's move on, and we can get even briefer because, you know, it gets yeah. less serious. I have now two hard-hitting guys who I've made this point before, so I apologize, Crack Rackets podcast listeners, but this is two people who just – the eye test, the ear test, they pass it. And mm-hmm. that's Andre Rublev and Felix Ogier Aliasim who when in person you see them play, the way they hit forehands just sounds different than anyone yeah. I've ever seen strike a tennis ball. I think – I mean, FAA certainly, but Rublev I think also just has the upside, uh, upside, and we all saw how good he was at the start of this season. He's a former world junior number one. Or if he just gets hot for two weeks on the hard court, whether it be Australia at the start of the year or New York at the end of the year, he could win a hard court slam by just hitting opponents yeah. off the court. 
Yeah, I had I actually had both of them. I had Rublev because Federer said at beginning of the year that he's like, yeah, you guys should watch <laughs> out for Rublev. And then he goes out and wins like two two tournaments in a row or something like that. I'm like, well, if Fed says it, then yeah, probably. Um, yeah, I've seen him like hit in person too, and I'm he just destroys the ball every single time. And you know, this, that's one of the guys. I don't know if he could be he could win multiple, but I could see you know he put him together, mm-hmm. you know, the, those two weeks that you know he a Delpo run. Is. Yeah, a Delpo run. We've been doing Delpo. It, I mean, Delpo could should have won like two or three yeah, or, but, at least, but you know, without injury, I guess but. then a Stan Wawrinka run where it's just like his best tennis is better than yeah. the other players. Well, yeah, Stan, Stan is like a locomotive. He starts slow and he's, you have a better chance of beating him, um, you know, first, second, third round than you have in the semi. So if, if Stan gets to the semi, like, it, it's mm-hmm. tough to beat. So I can see that. Uh, Felix, for sure. I mean, I mean, I don't, so know, I don't know anyone who can argue that. I still, I still think... He, I, I mean, I've seen him in person. And he, I mean, he's so physically fit for a 19-year-old. It's kind of crazy. But I still feel like he struggles a bit with his identity on the court. I don't really know if he, like, what is his game plan exactly? Like, he's so clean both sides, great serve, great returns. It's kind of like this. Everything's perfect. But, but I just don't really know what his... Like, because I've seen him lose, like, you know, a good amount of times, like three and three to someone who's like, just kind of putting the ball on the court. It's just a little one dimensional right now. Yeah, he's a little bit of one dimensional. I don't really know, like, you know, I don't really see the patterns that well with him. There's kind of, he seems like he's hitting the ball. Um, You know, if you look at maybe like Rafa, he, you know, he wants to hit a certain shot so he can get a certain shot after or something like that. Uh, or Fed or anyone, I, I just still feel like he's not thinking ahead two or three balls. It's like I want the, the point to be played this way, but undeniably, like great, great ball striking. So you know, I, I think he's for sure going to win one. Yeah, and by the way, we skipped this for Medvedev. My biggest worry is just how funky it is, how perfect things have to go for him. You know, yeah. there's worlds where he gets hit off the court, and there's worlds mm-hmm. where just the spins for him aren't working. And he can still—he's a guy who gets frustrated on the court clearly, and sometimes that works against him. Um, so I think all of those are the criticisms for Rublev. I would say I'm a little worried about the movement, although it continues to get better and better. And then that's just a guy who is not comfortable at the net right now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. To get yeah, to Fe- be able to be comfortable than that, he he would be scary good. Yeah, and Felix again. I I think it's more time than anything else. All right, I have five guys left. Shockingly, two of them are surface specific. Let's go there next. I think Christian Guerin could win a French Open. He's proven to be that good on a clay, and I think Riley Opelka could win a Wimbledon. Am I crazy? Um, no. Um. Uh- Riley, looking now, looking at my list, it's kind of gone. Maybe I, I've gone back on some of my picks. I had I have Shapovalov there just because he's also I have him a, as well. Yeah, I th- I think he's such a wild card, you know, and just how big he hits. And again, he's kind of the same as Rublev. Like he puts together two two unbelievable weeks. Again, he's only twenty one too, which is kind of ridiculous. Yeah. So I think he wins one. Uh, Garin, don't know. I like wouldn't wouldn't really put my money on it. Very good on on clay, but he's gonna have to be TM a few times if he wants to That's do that. True. Um, and I have I honestly like have, once we pass here, Felix. Yeah, I think Opelka is my only pick. 
So you um, like the Opelka one? I, I do like the Opelka one. I like it. I mean, don't get me wrong. And Riley's like a dope guy. <laughs> uh, can't I just can't watch really? You know the the Karlovich, the, the, the Isner, Riley. But you know we've seen guys pave the way for what Riley is doing, and he can possibly do it a little bit better. And if we if we've seen the success that though John Isner has had, I just think he can be better than that because I mean like we just just in general it was just the training um you know I, I he probably is a just a better athlete he's a better mover than than John um and he's again also only 22 Jesus Christ uh why is everyone so young um <laughs> and I just I don't know I think he has kind of the right mindset he seems like it's he you know he's pretty pretty mellow and um I, I just can see it. I can see it just because, I mean, you, you put in not just on a Wimby, to be honest, on a yeah. unbelievably fast hardcore one of these days or a super bouncy hardcore. Um, I don't know, man. I, I At 22, I can see it. Like, I can just put in the right work. And, again, I just – like, what? how are you – how do you really coach what it what he's doing? Because I mean, he's always going to have to serve. Is he going to try to serve in volley more? Is he going to, you know what I mean? Like, I just don't really know. You know, what gear do you from John Isner? You need, you know, if John Isner is in fifth gear, we need a six, I think, for someone to get a slam playing that style. But he can. I I just think he can because you know there's definitely been a a, a path. Um, that was paved before him by players mm-hmm. like him, and he can like you know improve upon that. So, uh, yeah, I see it. Uh, everyone else, nah. But yeah, I see Riley. Okay, so quickly on those Shapovalov, I agree with everything you said. The counterpoint, the argument against, a bit too erratic, at least at this point in his yeah, career. Yeah, he's slap happy. And- just yeah, and, the ball. but he's also, as you mentioned, 21. Christian yeah. Guerin, again, what's the weapon? I like the serve. I like the forehand. I like his ability to change direction. I don't love it on non-clay court surfaces. And as you mentioned, there are a lot of really good clay court players. The Riley mm-hmm. part, and this is not meant to be rude to Isner or, or Karlovich. This is meant to speak fondly of Opelka. He's the best seven-foot tennis player I've ever seen. Yes, now, the yes. counter to that is... I really don't think his serve's that good yet. Like, for someone yeah. his size, his serve's exceptional, obviously, but it's not Isner or Karlovich it's level yet. Isner. And yeah. yeah, and just via repetition, given the skills he has from the baseline, there's a world where he could just, as you mentioned, dominate, where he gets his yeah. one break he needs per set, and he just holds serve the entire tournament, and he yeah. gets the job done. He wins a couple tiebreakers in there as well, and just he's not good at volleying, but he's gotten so much better over the the past three years yeah that i think all of the skills are there so yeah, I, mean, I agree again, with everything you said and yeah, yeah. I, I, as you said i think he is the best seven foot tennis player we've seen so um like you know just looking at him hitting and all that stuff you know he, if he was a six foot guy he would just be an, you know a normal looking like hitting right. tennis player compared to i i think like john and evil are a little bit you know especially on their feet there's they struggle a little bit like yeah. Riley is Riley is good so uh yeah I mean he has the talent to hit the ball he has the talent to serve so I, I just think that I just don't see it not improving 
Um, so, it, you know, and it, it, if we're in a world where Novak isn't playing anymore, you know what I mean? And no, none of these crazy returners are <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> maybe like it's the week that Novak retires. <laughs> um, <laughs> the first slam after that, uh, you don't have that guy on the other side. Um, yeah, I can, I can see it. But yeah, yeah, everyone else, I mean, I think they're all really good and don't get me wrong. I think they're, most of them are, you know, make their, will make their semis and finals of slams. Um, I just, you know, realistically, I think those are my choices. All right, you know, last still with two like an you. asterisk with Jeff Shapovalov and Gorin. Yeah. All right, last two, and you can just give me straight yes or no. Alex oh, yeah. Demonauer, is he too small, or can he do it? Uh, I don't think he'll do it. Too small? I just, I just think, not too small. I just think he is... See, he's on I, my I list. He's, he's, he's so good. I think he's limited. He's good. No, he's very good. I just think he's very limited. I've seen... Um, him play a few times and like he has his serve is his service is not good his service is not at the level of um of his movement of his competitiveness um and I, again like maybe in five years we'll look back and like look at that idiot what he said but i just you know i've seen him like really like the second serve he can't really kick it like he can't, he's too um if you pay attention to him his shoulders are like really they don't turn enough. They're they're just kind of like open facing the court. It's weird. So you can only cut from that position. So you know where he's going. Uh, I just don't really see it. I, I I really don't really see it. The thing is, I just love the firepower he can produce on the forehand for someone this size, and he's just such the perfect quick uh, quick twitch tennis athlete that I just. There's a world where it works if he can stay healthy, and you do worry with all the stress he puts on his body, but. He's just the elite of the elite movers, and and he's bigger than a Diego. He's a sneaky six foot, six foot one, and sneaky power. I just see a world where it works. Um, but I but I totally understand and hear all of your concerns. All right, last one. Yannick Sinner, sensation at the end of last season, hits so big off of both wings. Clearly, a guy who plays to win. You see it or no? Oh, I see. I, I, he wasn't in the list you sent me, right? Because I don't think he's top fifty. Yeah, yet, right? yeah, he was a yeah, little yeah. below that. No, Sinner, no question. Like, it will win. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> like, he's, see, the guy I, is I, unbelievably good. See, I I need to see more. I think he's really good, but what else can he? You know, it's it's very FAA like. It's like show me gear number two. Yeah, yeah, but he's also eighteen, so it's kind of like yeah. Yeah, yeah it's I just crazy. find that, that I, he he's really good again. You never know. The guy can get injured. He can, you know, maybe this is it. Maybe, you know, we just don't know. But, like, from what I see him, just his ability to hit the hit the ball big and kind of effortless and, and all that, I just uh, – it, it's a little bit different. Like, you watch it and you're like, yeah, that that guy is hitting the ball different. Like, yeah. it's a, that, that's why, you know, from, in my in my perspective, I, I, I can see it. But um, – yeah, we just, uh, I mean, there's so much time, but uh, I would say yes. I'd say Sinner, Sinner takes one. Yeah, and, you know, again, to the point of, I, I having grown up really the beginning and, you know, majority of my tennis fandom thus far has been Generation Dimitrov and Rayonich and Nishikori, and those are probably the three guys from that group I ever thought were capable of winning a Grand Slam. I don't think I ever yeah. thought a David for, uh, a David Goffin or a Diego Schwartzman could do it. Um, you know, Dominic Team a little younger than those guys, but I think what speaks so 
or what is so exciting about this generation is how many guys we can speak fondly of and legitimately say, yeah, that guy has the skills. That guy displays the sort of level of tennis that, or occasionally shows the sort of level of tennis that's needed to be a Grand Slam champion. So overall, I'm very excited about the depth of this cohort. What are your thoughts, you know, final thoughts on this group? I think it's a pretty good group. I think the generation, it's kind of sad that the generation after Fed. Fed, Roger, Rafa, it's going to be a little bit lost in history. Mm-hmm. You know, Dimitrov, I mean, how how many times uh, a year do you think about about the fact that Chilich won at Slam? Yeah. You know yeah, what I mean? It's crazy. Like, yeah. yeah uh, even like, the, the, you know, some guys that picked up steam later, like Stan, like he's still Generation Novak. You know, they're still older, 34, 35. So um, uh, it just seems like a generation that just – couldn't get through the hump but obviously the hump was in mount everest so um i just there is a lot of depth i I just think you know it's hard to it's hard to know you know how far they will go but now it seems like it came a generation that that's you know has been able to challenge those guys yeah they haven't been able to you know beat them back to back and win slams and whatnot but you know if you look at the tournaments they're all like you know, there's always one of them is beating one of the big three, and you know they're there. Um, so I think it's a pretty deep generation, and you know you you're putting Nick there if he you know puts it together a, a week here and there. Your team, who's only twenty, he's my age, twenty six, probably turning twenty seven now. Who I think is going to be the guy who who replaces those three guys at first. Um, it's pretty deep. It's, it's a pretty exciting time. And, I, you know, you don't know who's coming, you know, when when Felix is 25, you know, what what sort of prodigy will be coming from that generation. But from, from the guys who are 19, 18 and up, from Sinner and up, seems like we're in a good spot. So um, I don't think we're in a let's watch three guys win 60 slams in the next 15 years spot. I, don't, I just don't – I just don't see – I don't – see how that's ever going to happen now fed novak and rafa did it but i don't know i think it should be exciting especially because we'll know that you know we won't know that it's going to be either rafa roger or novak that wins the slam it's going to be maybe someone else so that might be a little exciting yeah, no, absolutely. Well, you have given me way more time than I <clears throat> uh, could ever ask justifiably of you. But uh, any final thoughts before we wrap this bad boy up? You want to tell everyone one more time where they can find all of your stuff? Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, just like every week, com. Go go check it out. We've, you know, we're having we're going back to to you know a lot more instructional articles and videos we're actually you know making the transition to youtube a little more hopefully we get a you know course now so we can do some stuff um but yeah we just actually posted a, a huge video about how to string a racket so you know that's a, that's a skill we're trying to learn we have it on our on our youtube channel uh, it's like a full you know step-by-step follow along with austin so anyone can do it um and yeah i mean our instruction articles uh are all on mytennishq.com and we're posting a good amount more on, on, on Instagram, trying to get more content out there as well. Um, so, you know, make sure to check it out. If there's anything uh, you want to learn, uh, we're still doing the private virtual private lessons. So you can sign up this month for that. Um, and that's about it. 
Yeah, no, of course, everyone check out the website, mytennishq.com. Last question, no explanation on the spot. The first next-gen guy to win a Grand Slam will be? Uh, Pass. All right, you heard it here first. He is on the record forever. Carew, thank you, as <laughs> always, yeah, for taking the time to chat with us. Stay safe, stay healthy, and I'm sure we'll All talk right. to you next week. Stay safe, man. Take care. Hope you all enjoyed my conversation with my Tennis HQ's Carousel. Of course, you can go find more of their work at their website, mytennishq.com. But hopefully you learned a little bit about the bunt backhand. You learned a little bit about my tennis game, and you learned a lot a bit about the future of this next-gen ATP cohort because it's such a special group, and we will be continuing to focus on them all week long here at the Mini Break Podcast. But of course, there's other stuff going on at Cracked Rackets to fulfill all of your other content needs on our YouTube channel. If you haven't checked it out already, be sure to go check out our new series, Overserved. I suppose it's not new at this point when it's over two months, but you know we poke fun at all of the comedy that happens week in, week out on the professional tour. Super producer Daniel Westoff puts his spin on all of the videos as he always does, and they are so uh, well done. So- So be sure to go check that out. Also, be sure to check out our new series, CR Classics, our look at some of the best matches in tennis history. You could find that in podcast form on our Great Shot podcast feed. You can also find the YouTube version on our YouTube channel where we incorporate our commentary as well as highlights from the matches we are discussing. We've done the 09 Wimbledon Men's Singles Final. We've done the 2001 Men's Wimbledon Semifinals. We've also done the 2011 French Open Men's Semifinals. I'll let you guys know. There's a fourth one coming out this week. It's with New York Times. No challenges remaining host Ben Rothenberg. We switch tours. We go to the women's tour to talk about a classic match, one that certainly has helped define the last 15 years of women's tennis history. You all should be on the lookout for that because I promise you will all certainly enjoy it. Uh, Podcast-wise, as I mentioned earlier in the Great Shot podcast, we got the chance to sit down with a former CEO of the ATP Tour, Mark Miles, to talk about the nuances, the financials of running the professional organization of tennis, the history of the ATP. So many wonderful topics, so none of you are going to want to miss that. You also, if you're a college tennis fan, are certainly going to enjoy some of the podcasts we've done of late, because on the Great Shot podcast, Chris Halioris, Matt Sikoyak, and I put a bow on the Division One men's college tennis season. On the Cracked Interviews podcast, we've talked to people like Brianna Schvetz and uh, Elliot Spaziri, Gianni Ross, Alexa Graham, Later, uh, hopefully came out already today. Uh, we've got a bunch in the queue as well, so be on the lookout for all of them because we certainly think you'll enjoy them. And in general, if you've missed any of the content, be sure to go to our website, CrackedRackets.com. Our newest series, Inside Out, our latest podcast, a deep dive podcast, more of a narrative-based podcast than the sort of usual commentary we do across our pods now. But our first season looks at the best American male player in any given season during the open era. We award a hypothetical champion belt to that player. We talk about their competition, their success in the context of that time. It's a series we have worked really hard on and we know you all will enjoy, so be sure to go check that out. Of course, all of this content is made possible due to our friends at Midwest Sports. Go to MidwestSports.com. Use the promo 
promo code CR15. Get 15% off of your order and a free can of tennis balls with that order. Also, none of it would be possible without the work of our super producers, Max Ligner and Daniel Westhoff, who, as always, have a f*** of an editing job to do. And shout out to them because they never fail to get the job done. But with that being said... For my wonderful guests, Carousel of MyTennisHQ.com. For our super producers, Max Fligner and Daniel Westhoff. Our friends at both Midwest Sports and DraftKings. And all of us here at both Cracked Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. What do we tell you folks? Hey, great shot. That's not what we say. I haven't made that mistake in quite a bit of time, so Westhoff will leave it in. But you know what we say? That's the break. And we'll see you all next time. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, everyone.